Welcome everybody, Reginald Grant here. Thank you so much for being on with us today. It is a beautiful day and rocking and rolling. And again, thank you so much for coming on and being involved as we go through this process. Of course, being an entrepreneur is a very trying and difficult thing, but uh, it is phenomenal. And we'll just kind of move forward. All right, so most of this uh, people are still coming in and we'll, we'll just add them on. As we add them on, I have my tea, I'm posted up. Everybody should uh, try to stay safe and stay sane. We know this is a very difficult time where life is about adapting and adjusting and changing. And uh, we're all sequestered, but hopefully we're all safe and rocking and rolling. Uh, most of this will be based on my new book, um, Entrepreneur, Your Guide to Starting Your Business, The Required Mindset and Skills to Be an Entrepreneur. You can find uh, all that information at reginaldgrant.com or entrepreneuryourguide.com, which are my uh, primary sites for Reginald Grant is all my stuff. And um, Entrepreneur is a specific site for that particular book. Come on slide doesn't want to work. There we go. Just a little bit of my background. Born in Atlanta, grew up in Seattle, uh, with the University of Oregon on a football scholarship. Had the opportunity to um, uh, play there and, and pay for my college education as a result of uh, being able to run fast and jump high and uh, take advantage of that in my class. And so I got a quality education at the University of Oregon. You'll see some images there of me. Uh, through my process, and again, my background, born in Atlanta, oldest of three kids, moved to Seattle, Washington. My parents were adventurers, and outside of the box, they decided to move from Atlanta, Georgia, to Seattle, Washington, to give us all an opportunity. My brother ended up being the head of a, a carpentry at the uh, Seattle Tacoma International Airport. He's still there. My sister, Sonia, is uh, in finance at for uh, County in, in the Seattle area. Uh, associate director of that program and been doing that for many years. So they moved to Seattle from Atlanta um, as an adventure and gave us tremendous opportunities. Again, I went to University of Oregon, played for the New York Jets, so I'm an NFL alumni. So uh, again, th that was part of my background, the vehicle that allowed me to have uh, the opportunity to um, move forward in my life. Um, I've in business, I've been a speaker, a consultant for many, many, many years. You see some of the images there. You see, I became a teacher in 2002, 2003. I was featured in Time Magazine, uh, one of four teachers uh, that was featured in that in that program. Uh, image there is that, uh, me teaching a program at USC, uh, academic and football sports related program that allowed kids to connect with what they're were passionate about, with what they're needed, which is academic skill development. Uh, for the last seven years, I've had a contract with a company out of Paris, France, where I had the opportunity to have 80 to 100 or so kids uh, here in Los Angeles, Miami Beach, or Miami, Florida as well, where we have French Jewish kids come to America, and I had the contract to provide the uh, English as a second language component. Um, and again, there's Northeastern University, Boston College, where I taught classes at and, and done sports conferences and all kinds of 
of events related to that stuff. And of course, I've written a few books. Um, started out writing books related to education as I went back and got my master's and eventually uh, sequayed back into business. I was in business before I became an educator and did that 17 years. And, and uh, that's kind of a little thumbnail sketch of my background. You find all kinds of stuff on me. So again, uh, it's about positioning your brand. There are about 250,000 or so Reginald Grants in the world. But if you Google Reginald Grant, I own the space, right? You go on ReginaldGrant.com, I own my specific name. And I have the opportunity and ability to um, leverage and manage my brand. And brand management is one of the important critical elements of uh, being a business person that can uh, eat. You know, let's go here. Let's go to the next slide. Just a little bit. Why are you in business? Is it a passion? It is a financial need or some other need. What's your driving force? That's a question that you have to address and to answer as a business person. Why are you in business? Why don't you just go get a job? It's a lot easier to get a job and work for somebody else and get that steady paycheck. It doesn't allow you flexibility. It doesn't allow you freedom. Uh, sequester scenario has been dynamic for me. I've been busier than I've ever been. Uh, revenues are starting to tick up. Uh, so it's a good thing. Uh, but again, you have to clearly understand why you're in business. Is it purely an economic driven force? Is it something that you're passionate about? What is your personal driving force? What is making you walk out on that limb and be uh, without that net, the net of having a job and, and all those kinds of things? So the biggest part of the process you have to do before you get in business, or even if you're in business, you have to always sit back and, and take a look at why you're in business. Um, it can be a difficult thing, but it is an important thing and it is, is a great thing. And um, you will have success and you will have failures. So if you're not able to have a failure, then it is hard for you to have any success in life. Failing is part of the process of becoming successful. You have to go through the steps. I was looking at the Michael Jordan documentary. I've seen multiple episodes of that. And I looked at that segment when they talked about him being a baseball player. His father passed away, was murdered, and he became a professional baseball player. And he had to get out of his element and get in something new. But what separated him and allowed him to grow while he was there was the fact that he had a dynamic work ethic. His work ethic was second to none. And to be an entrepreneur, that is one of the key elements of your success, understanding why you're doing it, and then you can decide what you're going to do. And you have to go ahead and figure those things out, right? Nobody can figure that part of it out. Do you have a mindset to be an entrepreneur? It's just like the right mindset. Being an entrepreneur, again, is a different kind of entrepreneur mindset. The entrepreneur's mindset is very similar to elite athletes. And what do they have in common? That DNA that says, I am not going to give up. The can do, will do, have to do, will get it done mindset and attitude. So you have to consistently and constantly be honing your mindset, be open to grow, be open to adapting, be open to get new things in. I read an hour or two hours every day. 
I'm always trying to get information in, into my brain that will allow me to be a better business person, better father, et cetera, et cetera. You want to be the best at what you do. You have to have that drive and that determination, just like an elite athlete does. Most people say, I want to be a millionaire, but they are not committed to the effort, the energy, the time it takes to be successful on that level. They are just talking. And to be an entrepreneur, you have to be a doer, not a talker. One of my associates, uh, Dr. Aura, uh, often stated uh, that 98% of the things that come at us will be negative. That means the world is bombarding you with negative information and misinformation, and you have to read. You have to be open to putting yourself in the room with other people that are smart or smarter than you. You don't want to be the smartest person in the room. We've all heard that old adage, and it's the time, but it's so, so very important. It is so very important that you develop relationships with people that can empower you and embrace you and uplift you. So mindset is a critical element for success in your business life. Personal life as well, but your mindset and the ability to disseminate between real reality. You put yourself in the right type frame of mind to continually grow, to continually combat all those negative things that have come out at you. In the chapter, I have a little couple of pages about dream busters, and we talk about um, how to fight against naysayers, how to fight against those people that, no, that's too hard, you can't do it, or that's not going to work. That mindset is not what an entrepreneur needs in their space. And so you have to have the tools to aggressively, on a daily basis, own your positive, I can do, proactive success mindset, okay? Success mindset is everything. It is mission critical. And, and I can't say enough about it. Again, if you have a question or a thought, just go ahead and um, uh, type in something, okay? Goal setting. Flexibility, adaptability, commitment. Now, when I talk about flexibility, you have to pivot. We are in new times. Many people are, are stressed out. I was reading an article this morning that says 75,000 people will commit suicide or be totally adversely affected by the mental um, situation they're in right now. And one of the things that you really, really have to understand is you have to go set. You have to put things down on paper, but you have to be flexible and, and adaptable and be committed to whatever it is you're trying to achieve. When I talk about goal setting, I'm talking about written plans and goals. When I say you have a big plan, what is your vision for your company, whether you're gonna have one person or a thousand person, people working for you? What is your vision? You have to have it down on paper, yearly, monthly, weekly, daily. What are you trying to achieve? What is your specific mission goals? Writing a business plan is a hard, very difficult, arduous, and can be very expensive process. But if you put it down on paper, it's like having no GPS nowadays. In the old days, they had the Thomas guy. Now you have a GPS, so you have a direct path to where you're going. When you write your plans down, it gives you a step-by-step -step guide. 
Now you can adapt. Now you can adjust. Now you can adjust to the market changes. You can test things out, but without a written plan and a specific measurable tools, then you cannot um, succeed, right? It is paramount that you put it on paper. When you put it on paper, it becomes real. Uh, I know many uh, high-level elite professional athletes will write their things down and post it on the bathroom next to them. They, on a daily basis, they have those little goals that they're milestones that they're working to achieve. They have that long-term big plan, and they have those milestones. And that's what a business, written business plan will give you. That's what written goals will give you. And then you have the, you flesh it out, again, a little bit more extensively, and figure out, well, where are the steps to those goals? Once you've gotten it fleshed out, it is so much easier to be successful if you know where direction you're going, right? If you put it down on paper, you have, and I'm sorry to say, right? Then you have the ability to adapt to what you have the ability to change what you need to do to be successful. So written goals and plans are very important to the process. And we want to make sure that, you know, whatever you need, whether I'm the resource or, or there are thousands of books out there, there are thousands of courses, online courses. I looked at a little video a couple of days ago that was talking about this new process and 10 different businesses you could start that you could measure how your success is. Whether you're trying to make $1,000 or $10,000 or $100 million, you want to clearly strategize where you want to go, outline how you want to get there, and then you can modify that along the way. Finding your lane, clarifying your niche. I also, I see about 100 to 150 business plans minimum a year, right, to our ESI pitch events that we have around the country. When I look at business plans so often, they're not clear in terms of the problem they're addressing and what their solution is and why their solution is better. You have to find your lane, right? People always often come to me and say, oh, you're so shy. No, I am in a specific lane and I'll get to that in more detail. But all the things I do are related to my personal expertise. I can leverage that. My network for personally and professionally, I can leverage that. And I know what my niche are. I, is. I know what my, who my clients are. I understand what they want to buy. And then my job is to get in front of those, enough of those people that are qualified, that will need my services, that want my services or product, and to flesh out that particular niche. So people get unfocused. They get to go in 25 different directions. I have people every day. I have 11,000 plus connections on LinkedIn now. So I have people every day e emailing me or via LinkedIn or some other platform that they find me on, and they come up with these proposals and projects. Now, I weave through all of those proposals and projects. I take few phone calls, but the calls that I make are all important. Rarely do I make a, a call just to have a conversation. I might have a conversation with a client. I might have a conversation with a prospective client. But it's about relationship development, and it's about me fleshing out 
do they fit my niche? Uh, for example, one of my associates is a, a entertainer, former athlete that's uh, in the entertainment space and wanted me to connect him with the people in the entertainment sector. I didn't, that's not my lane. So what I did was I sported that particular project over to somebody that's in that lane. So you have to leverage your network, right? Push it to somebody in your network. Maybe you get a referral fee. Maybe you won't. But you need to focus on your lane, your niche, your client, your prospective client. And then that's how you are able to move forward. But focus is one of those skills that you have to work on and develop. Uh, none of us are, are just born entrepreneurs. I knew as a young person that I wanted to be a pro football player because that was you know, something I was good at was with sports and football. But I also saw that business people ran the world. So I wanted to be a businessman. I didn't know anything about business, had no clue. No one in my family was a business person. They were all people that had jobs and they were looking for that job that they could work at for 30 years and then go on about their life. But I didn't let that stop me. So I focused on learning everything that I could about being business. I didn't know the difference between an entrepreneur and somebody that was a business person who just had a suit and tie and went to work for somebody else. It wasn't clear to me. I didn't understand that salespeople are some of the highest paid people in the world because they generate revenue based on their performance, just like entrepreneurs. So salespeople essentially are entrepreneurs, but they're working through some other company. So they're essentially, so the skills that you have as an entrepreneur, if you understand the dynamic of the process, you can apply that to corporate structure. It's the same type of things. Your brand and who you are is as important in a corporate structure as it is in building a company and positioning yourself, right? So how you're perceived by people is important. Your reputation is important. How you do business comes back. I have people that I have business relationships with 20, 30, almost 40 years ago that, that we developed an initial relationship and that relationship has evolved over time and I needed something, I'm able to pick up the phone and call them. I had a conversation with someone that we played football together at the University of Oregon 40 years ago. We're still doing business. Someone that, uh, that I played with New York Jets with um, 40 years ago. We're still done business. And, my, and business means to me is money exchanges hands. If there's no money exchanged, it is not business. It is a charity. And I have people often contact me about charities. I have my own little charity. Again, I stay in my niche. I'll refer them to somebody. I will try to always be of service, but I'm always fighting the battle of staying in my lane. I, recently, I, I read an article and it, it just discussed the fact that you have to say no a thousand times. Think about that. You say no more often than you say yes because I cannot work on every project. Every project does not fit into my business model. And my model is simple. I work on my stuff, I work on stuff that we have an equity position in, and I work on stuff that people pay me for. Simple model, not complicated. It really isn't.
but it's a matter of trying to continually always work on staying focused and staying in your lane. Okay, so I talked about my model a little bit. And so if you look at this here, you'll kind of look at this, oh, that's a whole bunch of stuff. It is not, it is all connected. And all, even the websites I have are, are connected with a specific purpose. We got ResinaldGrant.com. We have the Grant Language Academy, which is my educational background, 17 years as a teacher. So I'm able to leverage that. My, I taught for a company, and uh, that's how I was able to get that contract eight, seven, eight years ago. And I won't have that contract this summer because the kids won't be coming from Paris, right? But I've had that contract as a result of my business relationship and the work that I did when I was working for a company. And I left that particular company, and that company found me, and we developed because we had developed a relationship while I was working for the company. And as always, I tried to do something, uh, everything at an exceptionally high level, and that was the result. They contacted me, and I had a fantastic run of seven years with that specific contract. And the Business Circle Network, people are always contacting me, want me to connect with athletes and other people, and so. I, if you want me to connect you, there's a way that I can be compensated for that. And as you saw earlier, I've written a few books, right? Eight, nine, ten, whatever it is, right? And so I needed a platform so that I could promote, publicize, and of course sell my books. And, and I read an article, and I, for those online, recently talking about the fact that if you don't have a book, you don't understand branding in today's world. Writing a book is just a business card on steroids. Yes, I generate revenues from, from my card, my uh, books, and that, of course, is, is one of the purposes, but it also edifies you, it, it elevates you, it creates an aura of, of uh, expertise in your specific realm and area. And again, when I was an educator, the books I was writing were related to education. And for example, I, I work for the state of California over the last four or five years where I've been on the development team that actually develops tests for the entire state of California. And I was able to get that opportunity because of some of the things that I've, I've done. So I leveraged that, that book, the book opportunity to generate revenues for me. So everything I do is, is all in my lane. Primarily, I'm a consultant, business owners my ESI pitch and, and, and eSports instruction and, and our accelerator education. I'm an expert in that, so I got the yeah, uh, ability to generate some revenues from that. Sports, of course, been doing that since I was a baby, so I have long and deep relationships in that. And then tech. Um, was in the internet software business back in as early as 1996. Um, and even when I was doing that, I, I needed to hone my expertise in that. So uh, what I did was I was in the internet business in the ISP, internet service provider way back in the day. And I said, I need to um, have more knowledge in the software space. So I went for two years, worked for a company that actually invented and worked, uh, developed Undo's. So when you use Undo's in Microsoft Word, I worked for a company that was better at it than Microsoft was but they didn't have the vision and direction and understanding of people and um, Bill Gates killed them, right? But 
again, I was able to go and get a job and let them pay me to hone my knowledge. And my knowledge, I've continued to get compensated on that as a result. So I know clearly who my clients are, my client sectors, and, and who are my prospective customers and how and what they buy. Okay, I have an interest in Cannabis Pitch Live, and that, that is in the same lane, right? That is direct, uh, I'm, yes, I interest, I have an equity position. So that's directly related to what I was already doing. With ESI Pitch has done uh, four or five events per year around the country. Of course, now we're pivoting and we'll do that differently. Uh, even when the pandemic lifts, lifts, the climate and business world and world in general has changed and you just have to be adaptable. You have to adapt your business to adjust to whatever the, the industry or the marketplace dictates and you just pivot. One of my associates is a very successful business person. Again, I have uh, people, out, out there, he's a mentor, but he's a business associate, and I learn things every day. But he said, look, when a program ends or a company changes, that just means the money doesn't go away. The money just shifts in a different lane. So if your business is in lane A, and the, and the money shifts to lane B, then the smart business person will shift that process you will shift to lane B, which allows you to continue to, to generate cash flow, okay? And again, so I, I was able to have that opportunity to get involved in a cannabis pitch live company as a result of it's already in my lane. We're already doing business with athletes and, and providing athletes tech and business events around the country. So the athletes are interested in the cannabis space. So cannabis, CBD, uh, medical marijuana is the wild, wild west. So it was a natural fit and it fit into my lane, not because it was a cannabis company, it fit in my lane, but because it was athletes and cannabis. And of course we own that, that domain name, but it was, it fit in my lane because it was right succinctly involved in the lane I was already in. So I was able to seamlessly uh, integrate that. We had a successful event in February here in Los Angeles. And um, again, you want to look for things that fit in your lane. I said earlier, stay in your lane, find your niche, hone that niche. I'm a, I'm a Marine Corps veteran. So some people approached me about uh, speaking in Minnesota, went to Minnesota, was able to give us some people doing some things there and um, ended up having, become an equity partner and, and welcome home time vet which is a company that provides consulting. Again, my core business is consulting. So it provides consulting services to companies that work with veterans, that hire veterans, that need veterans, to communities that want them to recruit veterans into their business cycle, into their community. They're highly qualified, employable. Um, so again, fits in my lane, it fits in my niche, and I was able to go ahead and have the opportunity, okay? So when we talk about business, business is across the board very simple. It takes a lot of work, not complicated, it is direct, there are fundamental 
things that are the same no matter what the business. If I'm manufacturing apparel, if I'm selling a product online, the fundamental things, ROI, return on investment. I'm gonna have to put so much money in, what is my investment? Looking at, when investors are looking at these projects off the time we present to them, the owners don't understand return on investment. The cost of goods, the cost of acquiring customers, that is a major one. Income, expenses, profits. Learning and growing by understanding the fundamentals is paramount to your business success. And being able to clearly articulate to yourself, to your partners, to your prospective investors, that is, is one of the things that separates those that are, number one, if you're raising funds, able to allow you to raise funds. And as a segue to talk about raising funds, People don't understand when you're when you're getting an investor in your company, you're essentially getting a boss. They're giving you money to be a boss of your business. They're giving you money to make you, you have to be accountable for those people. That's why people say, well, you don't really, no, I'd rather be a self-funded deal than be a deal where I have to be accountable to other people. I know my strengths, I know my weaknesses, and I try to play to those strengths. Strength, work ethic, strength, ability to get stuff done, strength, execution, strength, right? I play to my strength. I get other people on my team, and when I say my team, they don't necessarily have to be employees, but people I'm partnering with, people I'm aligning with. When we look at those companies that have an interest in, like Welcome Home Vet, I have somebody on the ground that's an expert right, and providing those services. He just didn't know how to monetize it. I have another, my other associates in that, is an expert in operations and technology in the background, and, and, but he didn't know how to monetize that. So we collaborated, I used my strength, which is the marketing, which is understanding, taking a thought, a consulting service, a product, and taking it to market, and understanding the buying patterns of people. That's my strength, so I, I, I play to that. And I have other people that are experts in dealing with people. I have, I have a, tech is not my strong point. So for me to have to deal with a lot of people <laughs> is not something that I'm strong at. So I minimize that. Yes, I can talk to people. Yes, I have, have uh, great relationships with people and I develop relationships with people, but tech is not my strong suit. So I have associate in the Cannabis Pitch Live that is exceptional at going out and meeting everybody in the room. For me, that is a very, very difficult task. So for me to partner with somebody that has a skill set that is better than mine in that space is a win-win. I have another partner that's an expert in the cannabis space, owns a company that manufacturing plant in, in Oklahoma. He's an expert. So we have his expertise in, in the space of cannabis, my partner's expertise in the business document and meeting people and doing that process and my expertise in the marketing and the relationships and the network I have, it becomes a win-win scenario. So you want to partner with people and understand the fundamentals. And if you don't have a good strength in something, it's okay, you can study up on it. You can grow, you have to be open to learning. I talk about a book um, that I read recently that, talk, that, that centered on the customer is the key. 
to all of your actions and energy in a business. If you have employees, that is another customer of you as the owner of the business. You have to have happy employees in order to have a successful business. It takes a team. A team means those people need to be happy and motivated to push the, the agenda of the business, which is to provide a service or to buy products or to manufacture products. And you want to have people that are happy, that generates a love for the company. They become ambassadors for your product or service. So fitness fundamentals one-on-one. -on -one. Have a eye on the customer and have a clear understanding of all income, expenses, profits of your business. I, I look at Shark Tank. I look at the profit. I've probably seen every episode of both of those particular um, shows. And I'm, I learn something on a daily basis. And it also allows me to evaluate people and, and when they're presenting. Oh, this person came unprepared. They don't understand what the customer acquisition cost is. They don't understand their cost of goods. They don't understand that the investor's number one priority is the return on their investment. I put dollars in and I put fuel on the fire as, as a, uh, one of the guys always says and, and make it grow and exponentially so I can have a magnificent return on investment. Whatever that focus is, it's the focus you need to look back on and need to focus on. Again, I'm go back to the screen here when I talk about my model. Um, when I talk about my model, I again always focusing on my end customer. Who am I trying to reach? How am I going to do that? What's my strategy? And it's always evolving. You always have to people go and say, I'm going to do this plan. And it's no, it's just like a website. It is in constant updating. It is in constant improving. It is in constant communication with your customer or prospective customer. And people don't use podcasts. They don't use blogs. And I'm resistant to all those kinds of things because I have to put it on my schedule and I have to carve out time for it. But that is one of the effective ways to communicate very inexplicably. Nowadays, you use Anchor.fm. Uh, which is a great platform to uh, put a word out and be in communication with your customers. I have, of course, my books on Goodreads. I have an author uh, profile on Goodreads, and I'm posting a blog. But that blog is designed to get new eyeballs to look at my book and to, to get them into my buying funnel. And, and funnels are great. Now, funnels are, are, there's a lot of people out there that have a lot of information and a lot of talk about creating funnels, and this is the only way. Again, a cat can be skimmed in many ways. My model and how I create my funnel is different than somebody today that says, I'm going to start a business. Well, what are the steps to starting that business? Your steps and what you're doing is different than mine. I've built a foundation that I can leverage. Right? The reason I have those 11,000 connections on LinkedIn is I made a concerted effort to go from two years ago, I had 1,500 people on connected to me. Now I can post something to it. Something that 11,000 potential eyeballs can look at it, and 95% of those people I do not know directly and personally. 
I can I belong to 70 groups on there. So for, a, for an hour of my time, I can post whatever it is I'm trying to disseminate. And sometimes it's informational that is not even uh, written by me many times or videos that are not written by me, but they're informational things that support my core mission of providing information to my clients and my prospective clients, right? So that's why you advertise. And people uh, have a misnomer. I'm going to put in this advertising one time. No, it takes seven times for people to even realize that they saw your ad. Seven times minimum. It takes 39 times, research says, for something to become a habit. It takes 1,000 to 10,000 times for somebody to become an expert or proficient or something. So as an athlete, that was the easy thing for me. I did it repetitively. I did it every day, right? And just like I do my business stuff every day. Now, do I take some time off for me as a person to regenerate? Of course. But you have to have a routine. You have to have a process that allows you to do things repetitively. Then it becomes second nature. We talk about in, in uh, sports, muscle memory. When in business, it's brain memory, which is the same thing. It's, your brain is a muscle. You're training your brain to be able to go out and search for clients, to be able to present your elevator pitch, whether it's in person, whether it's through your social media platforms, in a succinct and direct way so that people understand who you are, what you're presenting. Then you have the opportunity to provide them more information and develop a relationship and to close the sale. So it's an evolutionary process. And again, people look at their websites and websites done. And I go, done? No, you just finished today. It's not part of the process. It is an ever-evolving, evolutionary process, just like your marketing advertising to be as well. How you're reading, reaching customers, what you're specifically doing, to address the needs of those customers or the desires of those customers, getting in front of the customers enough so that you start creating brand. A new company or a small company has a uphill battle now, more so because people are stuck and they're a very habitual, people do things on a habitual basis. So the big brands that have a brand identity have an advantage that people like Coca-Cola, People are buying Coke instead of buying something new. So one of their strategies, and of course, again, I say I read a lot every day, right? And I'm always reading what the big guys are doing so that I can take in and all the research and the background they've done and just implement that to whatever I'm doing. Um, but one of the things that their strategy was, they're going to get them with all of their non-big brands. So they have multiple lines of products that they sell. For those that are not very familiar or not traditional, get rid of them. So, oh, when it came to, yeah, but it's a business decision. You as a business owner have to make business decisions. Talking to one of my partners on one of our projects yesterday, and, and he was getting emotional because somebody had kind of copied what we were doing but they were in a different specific lane. But they have a database with thousands of prospective customers for us. So instead of getting emotional, I tried to convey to him, look, let's calm down, think about the process. Here's the value that his partnership with this guy would, or this company would bring to us. 
Here's the negative. Yes, they kind of follow up our model, but that is just saying that we did something right and successful. So, but if what they're doing is in a specific lane. Their, their value they bring to us is significant. So we need to be partnered with them. Not getting emotional because they, you feel like they splattered us and tried to steal some of stuff. That was an emotional thought process. They have to try, and it's always difficult to take the emotion out of the equation. To say, and it's like when I was in the real estate business and I'd buy a house and we'd sell a house or move some property, and people get emotional about their real estate. It's like one of their children. No, this is an investment with a purpose of it going up in value and then me leveraging that opportunity to realize the equity and the profit in that specific piece of real estate. So again, see who your customer is. If you haven't figured it out, it's just a matter of research. It's just a matter of taking the time, energy, and effort to figure out who is the person or company that will buy my product. You see to the left there, we have an entire Players Congress. That's the NFL Players Congress. So and that particular entity, I work very close with them in the marketing strategy and, and, and helping them to, to evaluate business deals that come to us. And many of the deals that come to us don't fit. So again, back to the have to say no a thousand times. It's part of our model. We have a license with NFL property. We manufacture with our partners all 32 NFL tape jackets. That is a revenue stream for us. But there is a negative side of that because we have to pay a licensing fee. So that means every product that we sell, we're giving away a significant portion of that revenue. So what is an answer to that? We create our own product line. So we don't have to pay licensing fees. That means that 20% that we would pay in a licensing fee goes to our bottom line and allows us to generate more revenues and more profit. Of course, it's new. You have to go through the process of understanding your client and property marketing and positioning a brand in a new space, but it allows us to generate significantly more revenue and we're in control. We are not at the mercy with our partner, right? So again, and that license can be yanked at any time. No one can, can yank what we own 100%. So that's why it's imperative that you have a diversification in your business model that allows you to leverage specific partnerships, to leverage relationships, to leverage win-win situations. But you have to keep in mind, it is always important to have things that you have 100% control of. And that way your, your business is in a better place. You look at the restaurant industry. So many of those restaurants now that have been impacted by the change in our society will never return. They couldn't adapt to the process. They could not adapt to the change in the environment in the market space. They couldn't adapt to what's going on with the new climate. So they're going to go out of business. They weren't prepared to last a while while the pandemic moved through and 99% of us were not prepared. The people that we were partnering with uh, 
after Congress were prepared and they saw this coming in January. And they positioned themselves in January, right? Because they have a, some relationships and a, and, and a business in China and they saw what was coming down the line. And so they stopped taking salaries and positioned themselves to weather the storm. But if they, if they don't open up this year, because they were ahead of the game for two or three months, they're positioned to weather the storm. They have people that owe them money and eventually they'll collect that money and they're in a position to move forward and be successful, take care of their employees. And, and as we move back into a new normalcy, right, they will adapt, adjust, and continue to be a successful business entity. So that's one of the strategies that you have to keep in mind. Uh, how do I survive? If something happens and I can't generate revenue today, do I have what's the work? What is my time frame? Whatever that time frame is, just as long as you understand it, then you're positioned for success. If you don't understand that time frame, right, or you don't have a clear view of what's going on, then you can't position yourself for success, right? My revenue models have different cycles, right? Uh, I talked to one of my associates and said, look, you always have to be working on things that are generating daily, weekly, monthly income. What, right? Regular income that allows your business to grow and flow. And then you can work on the big projects. You cannot, most people work on just big projects. So you have to have the two-fold model. What can I do to generate revenue on a regular basis? And then what can I do that's going to be part of that big picture? My, my plan, right, and my goals, what's part of that big picture that will allow me, okay, to be effective long-term? So you have the big picture side and the big projects you're working on that you're not gonna get, going to get paid on a regular basis. You've got to invest time, energy, effort, and money into that. Yes, Naomi. I'm on a class, so let me finish with this. One of my daughters is here uh, and had a question, but we'll continue to move forward. Anybody have any questions, please type something in for me. Um, I know I've covered a lot of stuff and uh, talking here today. I'll show more videos in the next class next Friday. Um, and, and if you look at the book, we've, I break it down into the process, the right mindset. About being an entrepreneur, the basics of business, talk a little bit about that intellectual property changing the way the world does business the most valuable commodity on the planet and the most valuable commodity in your business is your knowledge and expertise that has significant value and and the world has changed where we're changed from a manufacturing society to a society manufacturing thoughts and leveraging those thoughts when i was teaching that I often asked my Students, well, what's the most valuable commodity on the planet? And then we go, what? And they say this or say that. I say, well, what's Bill Gates sell? I go, they go, computers. And no, he sells intellectual property. He's boxed thoughts and taking those thoughts and monetize that by creating software, which are just thoughts that makes your computer and what we do operate simple intellectual property thoughts 
right? And what's the entrepreneur's mindset? I go a little bit more in depth on what elite athletes and entrepreneurs have in common. And as I said earlier, the DNA of never quit, never give up, being focused on a goal and a mission and the drive to do things on a daily basis, uh, which one of the attributes that entrepreneurs and elite athletes have in common. Um, it's, it's that DNA, that, that, that gene that don't quiver up, give up, never stop. Branding, managing how the world sees your business. Whether you're an individual or a company, in today's world, your brand is paramount and important. So you have to manage it. You don't have to be on every social media platform. You don't have to use all of them extensively. You pick and choose where you're going to focus your energy, effort, and money. And that's how you position your brand for the long-term future. Networking versus relationship development. Networking versus relationship development. This is one of the important elements in business that people often overlook. They don't, they misunderstand the difference between the two. Relationship development means you have a true relationship with your customer or prospective customer. You have a true, I was at the AI show in Hollywood two years ago, and one of the gentlemen said, you have to be in the room. Whether you're the janitor or you're the person speaking, you have to be in the room. And of course, nowadays in the room can be virtual. You can acquire knowledge by being in the room virtually. So that is not, okay, uh, in stone, but building relationships with people that can help you in your business growth, in your personal growth, um, not just passing down cards to everybody in the room, but actually having a conversation with people that you want to evolve a relationship. Again, that company I talked about that, that created on Dunes, they had a robust uh, word processor that um, you could type in 35 different languages. It was phenomenal. It was only for the Apple platform. Phenomenal. Um, but they never valued their employees. So they ended up being a you know, successful couple of million dollar, two, two and a half million dollar business and did that, you know, day in and day out uh, eventually. But it should have been a $2 billion business. Uh, again, they were light years ahead of the competitors, which was Microsoft and Microsoft Word. They were only for the Apple platform. I got us a, I had a marketing plan and had zero budget for that marketing strategy. And I, I got I was vice president of marketing sales for that company, got us into 14 Apple magazines and built our database up from zero to 50,000 people in a couple of years. And all those people, we gave away a light version of our product which, which was free. All you had to do was give us all your contact stuff and sign up. And, and I was in my office and we started that promotion. And uh, one of my associates run, comes running down the hall. It is bouncing and banging. And Reggie, Reggie, Bill Gates just signed up for our stuff because he understood that we were one of his competitors. He was keeping an eye on us. And so he actually, you know, was making sure one of his big, great attributes is he gets great people around him and it gets out of their way. Many people get in and they want to micromanage. You can't micromanage success. You have to develop a mindset of getting people that are smart or smarter than you in specific areas in your space and on your team and allow them to do their thing, right? So developing relationships, growth. I read a great book 
a business book recently, What Matters in Business. And uh, I read it in one day. It was so intriguing and I was just so engulfed in it. And it was so on point uh, with what I need. And it just talked about being customer centric. Great book. And, and they don't pay me for that book. <laughs> but it's a great book. Uh, Dream Busters, Overcoming Naysayers. And those could even be in your family. Um, people that tell you well, why you're doing this or what you're doing or, or have negative things. But I, again, uh, I've been pretty uh, good at, at, uh, at living my dreams. And, you know, I'm just a cold black kid from the Atlanta, Georgia, High Point Projects. And I've seen every major city in the United States of America and, and uh, a few internationally. And, and uh, I've lived my dream. I li- I, as one of my students said when I was uh, from that French group that comes from Paris, the French Jewish kids, Man, you've lived the American dream, and I have, right? But if I had listened to other people tell me what I couldn't do, then I never would have achieved anything. So you have to be willing to put in some work and some effort. Nobody said it was easy, but uh, you have to build up that armor so that you can fend off those people that are naysayers. And when you're talking about business, you're talking about building a culture of success. Giving your people around you the right mindset and making sure you have the right people around you right who you deal with just like in the old days when you were a kid and he says oh don't be hanging out with them because you are judged by those people you hang out with but people that you hang out with can also elevate you right and that includes uh, your staff an open letter to athletes of course had to address that issue um and that was related to one of my other books again about how some of the pro athletes manage their brand and follow up and do the right thing and then part two, so the first part is all about the mindset, the mental thought process, the mental skills, the, the mental attitude, the mental exercises you can do, and, and just the, the things that you can do to put yourself in a mental position to be successful as a business person. And then in part two, we talk about some specific skill development, uh, basic skills for any business activities and exercises, especially if you're new in the business space or if you're trying to develop um, your business, there's always going to be skills that you're not good at. Uh, you don't have to be an expert at them, but as a business owner, you want to know every facet of your business that allows you to understand when your people are doing an exceptional job when they're not, not to present them. And then presenting your business. How to properly present PowerPoints, how to, in other formats, making good presentations. Um, and of course, in business resource and terms and technology. And um, any questions anybody has for me, today i know um i've said a lot i've been a talking head and uh love the opportunity to be out here and hope i can add some value to where you're going and what you want to do any chats any conversations uh let me see it Nope. Oh, well, I got some phones coming in. All right, guys, I appreciate you. I'll be on the same time next week. If you have any questions, email them to me and I'll address them. We'll go into specific details and some more things related to business next week. So be safe, be sane, have an exceptional weekend. And again, I'll be back here on Friday. This is our, we'll do this for the next three weeks. Have a great day. Thank you so much.
Talk follow. I see you just came on, man. We're about to get off. And I will have a uh, pre-recorded version of this. Uh, where we, I'll, I'll make this available. Chuck Burrow, welcome. Just see you just jumped on. Everybody else is jumping off. We only have three minutes left. Chuck, how you doing down there in Atlanta? I'm doing well. I apologize. The timing got me thrown off. I thought it was at 11, and I saw that one, and then I saw that the one minute it was 4 p.m. Eastern time, so I apologize for that. No, no, no. It's all good, man. We had a great, great... Uh, Great day, and uh, let me take some of this stuff off. Uh, 